Hi, welcome to M4G Advocacy Media. You're watching the Journey Series podcast. I'm uh, Mark, a co-host. I'm a brown man with a black and white beard, blue glasses. Uh, today I've got on a gray shirt and I'm in front of a painting with and a shelf with some knickknacks. Oh, and I'm bald. I have no hair <laughs> on my head. <laughs> and I'm Crystal. I'm the other co-host. I'm a white woman with glasses and brown hair, brown eyes, and a brown background with a some canvas, a canvas paintings, and a lamp on a table. Hi, I am Adam David Jones. I am the guest. I am a multiracial person, but I look pretty white, so that's how people treat me. I have long hair that's tied back right now. I have a pretty full beard. I'm in my home office with whiteboards behind me and another desk and my paper shredder. I'm not sure if you can could see that. Um, and I'm wearing a black shirt. And welcome. Hi, hi Adam. Welcome to the uh, podcast. Thank you hi. for joining. Yes. I, it's my pleasure. Thank you for allowing me to be here. Um, go ahead and uh, start wherever you like, uh, and uh, I'll take it from there. Okay. Well, um, first of all, thank you for allowing me to be here. I am. Um, my disabilities are in epilepsy and traumatic brain injuries. Um, how that manifests in my life is often with um, long-term or mid-term memory problems. I um, My epilepsy is under control, thankfully, and I uh, just grow every day, try to get 1% better at dealing with my disability because it only came on late in my life, in my 30s. And now, most people don't say this, but I'm in my 40s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we well. talked about yesterday. Um, if I can interrupt for a second, we talked about yesterday. We're all around the same age. So. Yes, yes. We, Crystal uh, and I are born the same year, yes. and Mark is born in 1977. So he's a solid yeah. Gen Xer. Yeah. And Crystal and I are Xennials. We said yeah. yes. <laughs> Back in my day, we didn't have the internet. That's right. That's right. You probably have the ARPANET, but you didn't play around with that. Yeah. Right. We did. We just got cars and electricity. <laughs> cars were invented when you were like three, right? Right. Yeah. And they let right. you drive it when you were five. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us a bit more about the, your journey. Okay. Well, it's I've had a long and interesting life. That's one thing I can say for myself. Um, I have been an entrepreneur my entire life. And a lot of my life has been defined by entrepreneurship in the sense that I define myself that way. I'm getting over that in my early 40s and understanding I'm much more nuanced than just solving mm -hmm. problems. Um, I've been, I was a professional actor for over a decade. 
So that's an entrepreneurship in itself. I organized music festivals for several years and was deeply involved in the live music community from Baltimore to New York City, Philadelphia, Baltimore, a little bit in D.C., some in Boston. Um, I went to California. I was in New York for about a decade. I went to NYU and for theater. And then I decided I'm going to go to California and try my try my fortunes there and did well. I was there for about two years when I found out my grandfather had Alzheimer's and he was my best friend growing up. I was homeless by the time I was 17 and he made sure that I was still well taken care of. So he was important to me. So I moved back to Pennsylvania, which is where my hometown is from California, from NorCal, not a SoCal boy, a NorCal boy. And, um, (laughs) I moved back to Pennsylvania to be sure that he was well taken care of because he was not going to die in a nursing home neglected by other people. He was going to die beside me. For the next two years, I took care of him. I had to go back to California for a couple plays I was already contractually obligated for, but I got a place out here and uh, stayed with him. You know, he was his primary caretaker. February 7th, 2016, he passed away beside me as I wanted. At that time, I was getting my grandmother's um, everything ready for my grandmother so she didn't have to worry about things. He always took care of things. So all of her bills would be paid. You know, she didn't really have to think about water and sewer and credit card bills and anything else. It would all be taken care of. Well, about... See, six or seven weeks later, I was getting ready to go back to California to kiss girls and play with swords because that's what I was good at. (laughs) And I was looking forward to it. I had NorCal. I was also looking at Portland. I had a theater company I was eyeing that might be a good fit for me. There's um, um, Ashland, uh, Oregon, where they have all the Shakespearean plays and it's just world-class theater. Anyway, so looking right, I was getting ready to go back. My friend said, would you help me organize a Bernie Sanders rally and vote a registration event before you go back? And I said, it was like late, late March. I said, yeah, I got a little bit of time. I'll stay for another week or two and then I'll head home. Well, what was my home? And um, I helped organize this event. Uh, it was a great event. We marched to the Capitol in Harrisburg, PA. I was on the phone cold calling people for the Sanders campaign. It was like hundreds of people in central Pennsylvania came out and there was bands and there was um, there was, again, voter registration and there was beer and everybody had a great time. About towards the end of the night, I was getting pretty tired. It was 1 a.m. I'd been there for 13, 14 hours. Last band was on. I said, Chris, are you good? Can I like call it a night and go back? He said, yeah, I got this. You go ahead. And a friend of mine who I had not seen since grade school, grade school, but recognized me, had come up earlier in the day and said, hey, Adam, like, whoa, Amanda, I haven't seen you for 30 years or I was younger, 23 years or something. And and then then when I was getting ready to leave, she said, hey, would you like to go back with me to this party this man introduced me to? I said, not really, but she just met this man. I said, but I'll, I'll go back with you. I'll make sure it's cool. You know, everybody's 
everybody's chill and then i'll go back to my car and i'll, I'll head home so um that's the last thing i remember oh. i um i left the venue and uh, apparently we headed back to this place um in the last second and another friend was with us by the way and and he too was just going to go back and see if it's okay and then we're going to leave the last second he said well i don't know if all these people should come in at once only one of you should go well i'm like okay well that's me i'm not going to let her go i'm just i'm that kind of person I, I used to never be worried about anything you know not people was not scared of people and um I don't remember, but from what I understand, we left together. A moment, a few moments later, there was a big loud crash. And he came back to the car and he told her, You were going to F me or your friend's gonna die. You can or you can give me money too, I think was part of it. So she said, What happened? They went back and they got my dying body, took me back to the car, and um, my other friend had snuck away somehow. She distracted the the man the man who probably attacked me, called 911, and the police were there in 10 minutes. They found this man covered in my blood. He had already rifled my pockets. They found money, my money in his pocket. But they arrested everybody right away. They rushed me to a world-class surgical center. And they took my skull apart because my brain was bleeding. And so were my eyes and my ears and my nose. I was in a coma for about a month. And um, when I woke up, they said I was attacked. I was mugged. I was like, oh, okay. Well, shit happens. Probably a young man, probably 20 years old, scared and hungry and didn't know what to do. And he overreacted. Yeah. And then I heard that it wasn't a young man, but an older man, older than I was. And the first his story that he said was that I said the N-word to five guys who jumped me. And you. There you could not pay me to do that. You could not today pay me a million dollars to say that goddamn word. I find it abhorrent, regardless of who says it. So I knew, now I know, whatever happened, this guy's full of shit. But I can't deal with that. I just have to get better. My muscles have atrophied. I had to learn how to swallow again and talk again for the first day or two, walk again. So I was in the hospital on and off for three months, first inpatient and then outpatient for about five weeks or so. And then when my brain was done swelling and they put my skull back together, I thought it was going to be like, you know, stuffing cake in people's mouths at a uh, wedding. And it would just be, you know, everybody would have a good laugh, but no, it was, it was by far the most painful thing they did for me. Um, about nine months later, a year after the attack, in the same month, month, March of 2017, they took this man to trial. And he had already said several different stories, but 
He represented himself at the trial. And when he got on the stand, he said a new story. And even if you only believe that last story, nothing added up. So two days later, this man who was covered in my blood was found in 10 minutes with my money in his pocket and threatened to rape my friend was acquitted by a jury. When I heard those words, not guilty, I knew that my life was changed. I was never going to allow this to happen to anybody else if it was in my power. And I can do a lot. So for the next year, I was still healing. I was doing research on how I could possibly solve this problem of violence and evidence collection while calling 911, which is absurd today. We don't record any evidence when we call 911. People, most first responders have no idea where you even are. Dominoes can come to me in five minutes for five bucks if I get on the app. But if yeah. I get attacked or have a heart attack, they have no idea where you are if I can't describe it. So in 2018, I, fi I filed for a corporate, I filed a corporate paperwork, started a corporation to solve this problem at scale. And the only way to do this at scale is to start a technology company. And since then, I've been working towards a solution to protect people from violence speed up emergency response and prosecute violent criminals whenever there's a chance. That was 2018. There's a lot of story between then and now on the adventure of being an entrepreneur, but that's why I am here right now. We discussed yesterday that when somebody can go through so much adversity, and use that to help other people so they don't have to deal with the same things or struggle through the same unfortunate things like you did, you know, and your friend, you know. Um, that's a really big thing, and that shows a lot of humanity. Mm. Thank so you. Be thankful for people like you that use that and you know other people benefit from it that's i don't if, if you're going to spend your life doing anything why don't you spend it making it a little bit easier for everybody else i don't see much other point in life hey um one thing that you just mentioned that i mean could be because uh i have some cognitive difficulties sometimes but um it just sounds strange to me that you know i understand how the justice system works obviously we have to collect evidence to convict people right mm -hmm. but how can you expect as like if it's a violent crime or something where somebody has to get help right away Nobody's going to spend their time collecting evidence <laughs> and let alone doing it correctly, mm -hmm. right? If you are going to spend time collecting evidence, this can be very haphazard. 
Yeah. Right. That's why I want technology to do it for us. So we don't have to, you know, the other thing about this type of technology is our, we are biased. We have racial ethnic biases built into our programming as people. Our yeah. memories are faulty, right? When you have a traumatic brain injury, your memory is going to be very faulty, which is why I was a terrible witness, you know, but technology can carry a lot of this load for us. It can be relatively objective. And um, of course, yes. your your jury maybe is not completely objective, never can be, but it's the best yeah. system we have. It's also a problem, um, like you were saying, not only people as victims or witnesses can be biased, but also people with who make the decisions can be biased, right? Mm -hmm. So we you have situations where someone was attacked, but because for whatever reason, um, due to their injury or some trauma, they're not able to remember details exactly perfectly. Yes. Therefore, they're lying. Yes, 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 yes. Right. It's the yes. judicial system is so messed up especially when it deals with uh, anything dealing with discrimination, disability, or ethnicity, whatever. Gender? Uh, Gender's and, yeah, huge. Yeah, there's so many different ways. Yeah, but um, <laughs> we, we, we need a major turnaround of how people do things, you know, um, you know, we we talk a lot about the older generation. You know, their idea of things was, you know, so uh, toxic sometimes. All the older generations going back millennia. Yeah. Yep. It, it it just yeah, it's gotten better but it's certainly not where it needs to be at all. Agreed. And especially uh, the people that I just mentioned, you know, they're still being held down, you know, and not given the opportunity and the chance because of those biases that they have. Mm -hmm. You're right. And <laughs> if we want a better future for our kids and our parents that are going to be disabled because they're going to be older right, right. we want that kind of general right uh going forward if we want better a better life you know for everybody we're going to have to advance society by the technology whether people like it or not mm -hmm. that's what needs to happen but people are arguing about AI, but okay, cool. That you know, it can get really negative, it can get really bad, you know. But are we not a people that has any self control anymore and self regulation on how to when to use things and when not to? And you know. I don't understand that. How come people are arguing about that? That's a great question. And I I honestly don't know. 
but I will throw this out there. Humans have never met a Pandora's box that they have not opened. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's taking fireworks, July 4th right now, and turning them into weapons, right? Yeah. If it's yeah. learning how to split an atom and using it to kill tens of thousands of people, there's been no problem. <laughs> No new idea that has not been used for the worse, not the non-betterment, but the opposite of betterment for mankind. So yeah, we were talking about that the other day. Um, But it's go ahead. AI is just another tool or technology, and there's a segment of people that are fearful of it, but. Mm What we really should fear is the people who are using it and mm-hmm. have and have uh, don't have uh, don't have any humanity or mm-hmm. don't have any morals or ethics or are greedy. Those are the people who are going to misuse the AI or whatever tool it is. Yeah, whatever tool it is. Agreed. I read this article, Mark, real quick, um, that if you tra- if you have a trajectory of of our technology and our ethical development, if it if it's from you know slavery to to you know ending Jim Crow to women's rights, et cetera, if you have this this chart, our technological uh, development far outpaces our ethical, yeah. Far that makes our, sense. Our, yeah, it uh, and it probably always will, or it certainly yeah. looks like it. It's hard to say. That is yeah. extremely evident. You know, there are certainly technologies that we're just not, or some that we're not suited for yet. <laughs> that we we can't, we don't have that self control. Some of us, you know, there are certainly people that are more laid back and want to advance society in a positive way and helping people and others and not just their own ego you know themselves um and that's where it can get really nasty mm-hmm. but also when it comes to especially disability and as you said you know when you have memory issues you know, would it not be wise to look to a tool such as AI mm. and technology to be able to help save your life mm-hmm. and save other people? Yeah, um, I don't think I've ever told you this, but our long-term strategy is to use AI and wearable devices to interpret whether you are in danger and can't get help on your own. And I, the disability community is a really important community that gets good help, clearly. But beyond our issues... Um, you know, anybody could have a heart attack and not call for help because they can't reach their phone. Uh, Apple is already starting to do some of this. So that's a 
very likely um, partner in the future when it comes to crash detection. They recently released that. Um, but we want to use AI to help people respond to violence or medical emergencies in real time based on data points that can be collected uh, all around you. Mm -hmm. um, didn't mean to get I was looking. I was looking at the website. Um, uh, so, so the way it works is like if you're say you're on Zoom or something, and you have a, you have to sign up with a code word and Zoom will recognize. No, no, and that's our bad for not communicating well. How it works in this first generation is it runs okay. as an application on your phone or your Apple Watch or whatever. And um, and you can push a button instead of having to find your phone and unlock it and dial 911 and hit send and then tell them where you are and what's happening. You can push a button and it'll live stream your location and audio video from your devices. Oh. The first responders and your loved ones, so they both know where you are and then can see what's happening to you without having to say a word. And you don't have to get out your phone and unlock it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So you can push a button or say a secret safe word to activate Zier. And then Zier live streams to your loved ones and first responders. And it also saves all that data to the cloud. So maybe what happened to me won't happen to you and you'll get the justice that I never did. Right. That's how it works in generation one. Generation two is going to leverage more, again, wearable devices and simple machine learning to interpret whether you're in danger and can't call for help on your own. And how do you, uh, um, how do you, prevent like someone from pushing the button accidentally or something it's a good yeah. question i think in the long run when we have enough users we will be able to interpret whether with with machine learning with with we'll be able to interpret if they that was an accidental call but in my early research every 911 call taker i spoke with they said we'd rather get 10 fake calls instead of getting you know if we have to just get one real, you know, like they rather have accidental calls, yeah. but it is still really a problem that will have to be dealt with when we do scale. Right. right. So good question. Um, we were talking yesterday about, I know you were, you've been an entrepreneur for quite a while, but maybe you can speak to this. Um, what is it? Uh, about disability and the way this system works that sort of force, forces us, we either have a choice, either live in poverty or become an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was a great conversation. Well... Like many people in society, but, and there's, this is intersectionality too. If you're a black woman with a disability, you have even more problems than what I, a cis white male, right? right. Um, society does not like the other 
They don't want to confront people that are different from them. So they relegate us to certain quarters and it's like, oh, well, you can do this. You can, I don't know, my dad's a quadriplegic. You can answer the phone for somebody, right? And it's just an example. He wouldn't do that, but that's just an example. Um, and but you can't do this. And it's implied or it's spoken often by people who even care about us because that's the gestalt. That's the culture that they grew up in. You can do this, but you can't do that. Right. Um, you know, if if you're blind, you know, you can't write code to say. But, you know, blind entrepreneurs have come up with ways to write code without being able to see. I mean, I, there's a blind entrepreneur that I've, I helped coach about two or three weeks ago through um, Remarkable. Remarkable mm -hmm. is an accelerator in Australia and in the U.S. And I just volunteered to help coach him. And he's building magnificent things to allow um, um, people with blindness to be able to navigate indoors. Uh, it's it just, yeah, navigation clearly is a big problem for the blind community. Awesome. Um, yeah, so, you'll have yeah. to send us a link to that. Huh? You'll have to you'll send have us a to... link to oh, that. Oh, yeah, I will. Brandon's his name. And I put him in contact with um, Kevin, you of, um, oh, see, names. <laughs> That's my problem, <laughs> especially proper nouns. Um, <laughs> with um, haptic nav. Haptic Nav, uh, Kevin, their CEO, and I met at a, um, a disability pitch night in New York City for uh, NYC Tech. Anyway, and and he uses haptic navigation to help people with blindness to navigate roadways and things like that. And Brandon is more focused, but he's, his product can work in both places on indoor navigation. So I thought mm -hmm. I put them both together and I think they're busy working together now. Yeah. Our last guest, you said you watched Shelton yesterday. I didn't right? watch all of it, to be honest. I watched some of it. Well, he actually talked about going to New York. Yeah, no, and, I, and Philadelphia, right? Because he went right. to school in Philly, right? So it'd be good to pass on him. I will. Yeah. Yeah, just do an invite and an email and I'll see if there's any synchronicity between. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Yeah, that's that's a great word, synchronicity. You know, uh, and uh, same with symbiosis. You know, we're all, we're all very connected and we can all work together for a common good. I mean, obviously we, we live in the West and Capitalism is a big thing here, and it's great, but um, it's been oversold, and we just sort of, you know, <laughs> I agree. Just, You're talking just to the choir. Sort of forgot. <laughs> yeah. So we were discussing the implications and the reasons why we work for ourselves. Mm -hmm. having a disability and the kind of opportunities that we sh struggle with because of the 
ways that the older generations were taught to treat us. So we've kind of had to pay our own way and do our own thing. And yeah. <laughs> um, like the one say, hand, it's sorry, go ahead. No, no, I real quick, I'd say um, I learned this to get by going through Together International's Accelerator with for people with disabilities. Um, we came up a lot, and I think it's very accurate. Um, people with disabilities already live like an entrepreneur. They're all they're they're trying to solve problems day by day, yeah, just so they can thrive. Yeah, um, yeah, from the start. Yeah, mm -hmm. and it's also on the one hand, it's it's uh, sad and disgusting. It can get depressing how people are constantly telling you what opportunities you can have or what you can't do, but mm. it's also uh, it's also inspiring and empowering because we we get to choose we get to choose what we can do because uh, every opportunity is open to us because there's no limits on on that you know since no one thinks was. we can do anything we're unlimited in what we can do right we get to choose who we correspond with and how we go forward you know we're not forced into a situation well i i would say in the past i was because i was kind of going with what society told me I had to do mm -hmm. to be successful. And I did all those things, but uh, yeah, well, it didn't work. <laughs> um, so yeah, of course I'm gonna uh, go forward in a different way. And, you know, with who I wanna deal with. <laughs> And, you know, that's going to be successful for, for me and people around me, you mm -hmm. know. Nobody can define you but you. People try, but at the end of the day, only you know who you are. And you can choose to be that person or you can choose to be what somebody else tells you you are. Right. That's the choice you have. Mm -hmm. And in... That freedom to choose you is, God, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. it is. When, when you're able to realize the kind of things you've been held back by and the conformity that people struggle with, when you realize that it's easy to or not I don't want to say easy because it's a long road uh, and a difficult thing to in a lot of you know internal turmoil you yes. go through <laughs> trying yeah. to deal with it but um, because there is a lot of pushback and there is a lot of uh, naysayers and Absolutely. how you're doing it but you know that that and that's fine because they're not if they're not you know they're not gonna be on the other side of it they're not the ones who have to do you for the rest of your life right and you know for some of us it's easier than others 
again, as society treats as a white cis male, you know, lower middle class growing up, but not poor, um, who spent my life being other people, you know, as an actor, you know, my life was, I was defined, if you will, by looking at the impossible and going after it. So my life experience in many ways prepared me for this disability. Now, it's not all fun and games. Yeah, and right. some days it's very frustrating. Um, right now I'm going through a five-year re re rehash of, of what I've learned over the last five years as an entrepreneur. And it's depressing sometimes because I forget so much. But still, I'm lucky. Um, my point was is that I'm lucky. And for some people... It might be more difficult to, to, to take that power into their hands, but still it's possible. The fact that we have the power to do that is, it's good to be alive. Um, I, uh, can you talk a little more about your acting experience? Do you sure. know who Aline Grubba is? Who? Uh, I, am I saying it? Eileen Gruber, I believe it's Gruber. Eileen Gruber. She also has a disability. She's an actress. I don't know her personally, but um, maybe you can make an well, introduction. She, she's been on so many things, and uh, most notably, most people recognize No Amsterdam. Okay, yeah. Well, acting is a lifestyle choice, not a career. No matter mm -hmm. how good you are, if you don't have the right connections or you're in the right place at the right time, or what many of my teachers say, and this works across your life, when operate when uh, preparation meets opportunity, then you know it, it's it's hard to make any kind of career out of it. It's a lifestyle. I was very good at it, so that's why I started to do it. Um, but you know, I never uh, I never broke into Hollywood. A couple. Of Friends of mine did, but, um, you know, still, you probably wouldn't know them by name, but like, you know, I could maybe point out a show they've been in. Um, so no, I don't know everybody in Hollywood. Okay. But, but if you want to make an introduction, that'd be awesome. Um, I love meeting new people. Um, okay. but I, um, I found out I was very good at it in 10th grade of high school or I just, people were like, wow. And then I just kept doing it because I like I like to win. I like to be what I'm do what I'm good at. Um, and I taught acting. I taught acting to children. I, I went taught at the Lee Strasberg Theater and Film Institute. I um I taught my own group of adults. Um, I noticed that I was able to grasp it really quickly. Uh, the, the the method technique, the Lee Strasberg method technique. Um, and I would help teach my classmates at NYU. But um, but it's a journey. It's a um. There's a lot of uncovering of the self over years and years, and um, and by learning about yourself, you can learn about other people. Right, right. I think you'd find it really interesting. We've had some really interesting uh interviews um 
I mentioned Eileen Gerva, but we also have done, like you mentioned, you did some, uh, was it like a acting studio or dance studio or what kind of studio? I, I taught acting at the Lee Strasberg Theater and Film Institute. I also went to school there for four or five years. Um, but yeah, it's 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 this it's the technique. It's an acting technique that um, many of the stars, especially in the fifties and sixties, that you know of, went through that program in the group theater. Um, and it's most well known abroad as well. If there's any acting technique that's known outside the United States, it's almost always Strasbourg. But, um, but yeah, I, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just one way to, um, to get to the goal. There's many ways to learn. Um, so why don't uh, you Tell us a bit more about how people can learn more about Zero and connect with what you're doing. Well, and maybe tell us about some of the projects. Sure. Um, well, you can always reach me on anywhere, I guess. <laughs> maybe one of the direct ways is through Twitter or, um, and that's Adam David Jones underscore, I think. Honestly, I don't use it too much or Instagram or Facebook or and you can find us. Zier is Zebra Echo Echo Roger. Z-E-E-R. And if you go to zeersafe.com, that's our website. Um, right now we had Zier on the App Store and the Play Store, but we realized pretty quickly that it's not meant for right now. Right now, it's not meant for, it's mostly, it's better to be used by institutions, by universities to distribute to their students and their staff, by small governments to distrib distribute it to their citizens. So that's, that's our goal right now. So how you can help me, my ask, is if you have influence or know somebody that's a mayor or chief of police, um, or possibly involved in student government or an advocacy group for um, gender-based violence on campus, then you could reach out to me and that'd be very helpful. We have $100,000 promised by an investor to pay for the costs for that first institution. But all I need to do is get a letter from that institution saying, this is interesting. We would like to try this. And then I can deliver it for free. Mm -hmm. um, that's where we are right now in our company life cycle. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where I spend a lot of my time is talking with stakeholders like the Group Violence Initiative of York City, Shiremanstown Borough Council uh, two weeks ago, Temple University. Um, and uh, that's what I that's where we are to get to the next steps. When we deliver this to our first early users on a college campus or a medium to small town, then and it works and it's saving lives and people are feel safe, that's then we can start to distribute it more nationwide. But first we have to get that one next step. 
We I can certainly know. help you promote that. And then on our own website as well, we have Thank a you. portfolio for like over 45 just now. Oh, wow. <laughs> So every time your episode airs, we also place a tab there, or not a tab, but a... a like a listing like a, on the resource page. Yeah, yeah Great. so we can do that too. So if okay. somebody watches your this or not, they can still go to that and see what you're about. And, Thank you. That's where I am. That's my big ask. Um, that's, that's how we move to the next stages. You know, we have invent, I, I had another great conversation last week with insight capital. They're interested in a three to $5 million investment, but not until we get to that next step. And I, it's, yeah. it's little steps that can end up being big steps in entrepreneurship. Yeah. We do the best we can to, uh, connect people in the disability community and those around them that are that are helping the disability community thrive. But um, we can't do it all. We're just two people. We're trying to grow, but right. we're not there yet. Yeah. So uh, if our guests go to what we're talking about, you know, and they uh -huh. see somebody they want to connect with and help them grow and they can help them grow. Yeah. You know, that's a good thing too. I know tons of entrepreneurs in the disability space solving problems or that are disabled themselves and solving problems. So, you know, you won't be in a shortage for guests in the entrepreneurial space if, if you ever want one. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of good people doing good work, and um, a lot of it's cutting edge, too. Yeah. We can all get a lot farther if we work together. Yes. Yeah, yeah that is so important to us. And the reason we formed InfoTab Disney Media is because we wanted this. We wanted to be able to have these conversations and record them for people to watch back mm -hmm. and to be able to say hey i've been through that too i know what that is i know how mm -hmm. that feels and uh, i want to help and maybe they can help me too yeah. so that connection is so important it really can be lonely when you go through a disability and it's you know and it's new to you uh it can be quite lonely and also, entrepreneurship can feel very lonely, um, but there are people that have gone through it or are going through it in both cases, but sometimes you don't know how to reach them or you feel scared to reach them. Of course, as we know, in the beginning, there's stigma attached to it, and it takes us a while, us internally a while to get over that. It took me years. It took me years. But the, the funny thing, I mean, now that I've I'm an expert at this or anything, but you know, life is about learning that the feeling of loneliness and the feeling of connection are just a matter of perspective. Really. You know. Yeah. I think it I, does, I, I does not always that. have to do with circumstance. Yeah. It's it's 
Wow. Well, you know, I'm thinking about it. As you go back to this, it's probably a really, it's a little bit of a choice. Do I choose to be connected to other people? Do I choose to make myself vulnerable enough to reach out and feel that connection? Or do I want to stay in my flower and not leave and not bloom? Right. Hmm. Or sometimes it's the perception that other people don't get me, so I'll stick to myself. Right. And do whatever. And they never will get you if you don't share. If you don't talk about yourself, they'll never get you. I have a friend going through that right now, and it saddens me to think about it. Yeah. But everyone has to come to that in their own time, through their own path. That's good to know. And sometimes I want to force them to like get out of their shell, but yeah. but Mark, you're right. It doesn't help them. I need to yeah. oh, it's so hard right. for somebody who wants to see people not and suffer. The other the other part to consider there is what kind of things they've dealt with in the past and the ways they've been hurt and stuff like that. You can't force them to share when they're not ready or when uh, other people are making it more difficult to do so because it's not safe. They don't feel like it's a safe space to share that. Yeah. And further, further to that point, if someone's been through uh, whatever trauma or they it's just i mean and their personality maybe maybe they're just a naturally contradictory person right usually the harder you push the harder they're gonna resist and it's gonna end up not going your way anyways yeah and it's got to be their way right their journey their path their choice it's got to be their way i think it's I've been trying to position myself with this person as being a supportive, like a tree that you can lean on. And that is so important. Just to say I'm here and I'm going to listen. I'm not going to respond and I don't have, I'm not going to judge. No, You no. don't have to worry about that. I just what, know I'm here. Yeah. What, uh, but it's a really tough thing to do is just try not to fix things. I know it's, it's so hard. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure as an entrepreneur, that's a struggle. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I see problems I want to, but but that doesn't mean I can't learn new things, Mark. I will. And that's the thing about having the, the disability and having to figure so much stuff out ourselves and be be flexible. <laughs> Um, we have that ability to say, okay, let's stop the fixing and let's just be and be there. And then, okay, now we're doing the entrepreneur thing right now. So we, we, we need to solve problems and fix things and stuff like that. So yeah. that. You know, uh, what did they say? There's time, there's a certain time for everything. Sometimes we just need to create a safe space and listen and Mm -hmm. allow. Right. 
And then other times we got to pick up our tools and repair or build something new. That's part of this platform as well is the first part of it. We listen to your journey, your story. We don't interrupt. You know, well, sometimes we might, you know, a vague thing, but then we, at the end of it, we we have a dialogue and discuss issues and ways that maybe not to wholly fix stuff, but how maybe we think that maybe somebody could, you know, take what we have to say and go forward with it. Right, <laughs> and not necessarily build something physical or technological, but maybe in our audience or amongst ourselves, build something idea-wise or emotionally that they didn't have, that didn't exist for them before. Yes. Yeah. Cool. So I think, yeah, that was a really good one. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Thanks, Hell Adam. Yeah. I'll do this it's any day. You just give me a yeah. give me some notice and I'll do this. Yeah. All right. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. Yes. And um, yeah, have a great day. Okay. Bye. All right. You guys have an awesome day. Um, thank you so much. And um anytime you guys want to chat, you just give me a call. All right. Yeah. Thank you. It sounds great.